Hello, this is Notes from the Back Row. A podcast like no other. Different themes, rotating hosts, and so much more. So strap in for a veritable cinematic Coney Island of the mind. Good day. I'm Bob McKenzie. It's my brother, Doug. How's it going, eh? Hello, and welcome to another episode of Notes from the Back Row, the official podcast of backdashrow.com, champions of unsung and underrated cinema. Over on the site now, you can still find the episode of Post Anime Club featuring Carmen Comes Home and Carmen's Innocent Love, as well as the most recent episode before this date of Hoser Horror, where we talked about Death Dream and Seizure. Speaking of which, you guessed it, today is another episode of Hoser Horror, and so I'm here as always with... Carlo, that's me. Hey, Carlo, it's you. <laughs> and up? on this show, we do a deep dive into two Canadian horror movies that we've decided to pair up, sometimes thematically, sometimes completely by random. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> today we have a very special guest, and I'm going to throw a curveball and throw this to you, Carlo. And why don't you tell us about what's going on today? Yeah, so today's special guest is Mech from the Ghouls Only cast. Uh, welcome, Meg. Yay. <laughs> hey, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. So excited. Yeah, I, I, I saw like last year around Halloween, you dressed up as Barry J. Gillis. <laughs> yes. Yes. I did. Yes. <laughs> why? <laughs> I mean, that that's awesome, but I want to know like why. I'm, I, I'm, I'm supposing you're a big fan of things like the both of us. I am just a big fan of Barry J. Gillis. You know, mm. when a lot of, you know, people think about what they want to be for Halloween, especially if you're a woman, it's how sexy can I be <laughs> right now? And I figured, right. what, what is the absolute pinnacle of sexiness? What, what is explosive? And yeah. that is Barry J. Gillis. <laughs> yeah, for real. Yeah. When I saw that, I was like, my mind was kind of blown. So yeah, kudos for that. And like well, shortly after that, I was like, maybe she's into Canadian horror. I'll, I'll just, um, I'll <laughs> I'm ask. I'm into Barry J. Gillis, for sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, that's enough. That's a big part of Canadian horror. Like, mm -hmm. it's a legend, so, you know. <laughs> Yikes. Um, but yeah, Barry J. Gillis has another movie, Wicked World. Um, so I figured that was a great opportunity to invite you on on the show. Well, so, thank yeah. you so much. I feel honored. Mm -hmm. I love mm -hmm. Wicked World. Mm -hmm. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to talk about that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Before we get into it, do you have, A, any experience with other Canadian horror movies that you like outside of the Barry J. Gillis cinematic universe? And then also, <laughs> B, the ghouls only cast and also your artwork. If you want to plug that off the top, I like to let people plug it off the top so that you can get some ears on it before we start talking about these movies. <laughs> oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Well, yeah, my name is Meg. I run Ghouls Only Press, which is my own little just, I don't want to say brand exactly. It's just a little online shop where I sell my drawings on stickers, on enamel pens. I mostly right now have been selling a lot of stuff from the uh, 1977 J-horror movie House because mm. that stuff sells really well. Yeah, but, it does, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, I never really had like a lot of focus in Canadian horror or anything like that, but I do like a lot of Canadian horror movies. Like, you know, obviously I like Barry J. Gillis and mm. I really like <laughs> The Pit. I think The Pit is oh, a yeah. really fun movie. The first episode. <laughs> yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I'll have to listen to that one. I didn't get mm. that far. Um, <laughs> I mean, of course, I like Black Christmas and I love yeah. Ginger yeah. Snaps. I mean, my uh, podcast has an opener and part of the opener is a quote from Ginger Snaps. And uh, Beyond the Seventh Door. I don't know if oh, that's a horror yeah. movie, but yeah. that Sort of. Yeah, sure. It's mm -hmm. like adjacent for sure. Yeah. <laughs> 
But um, so I didn't actually know that exploitation was an actual genre, so to mm. speak, until mm. I started doing artwork for Brandon's cult movie reviews on YouTube. And okay. he has done like exploitation a thon. So I was like, OK, I guess that is a thing. Yeah. And then he reviewed things. And I was like, OK, I need to look more into this. <laughs> <laughs> so that was basically your first becoming aware of the term exploitation. Oh, yeah, because I never even really think about if a movie is made in Canada or yeah, anything yeah, like that. Yeah. I mean, especially they mostly try to pretend that they're in America anyway. Exactly. So yeah, what's exactly. the point? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, same with me as well. Like bef before we did this podcast, I was vaguely aware of like Canadian exploitation cinema. Like I knew exploitation, the website that that existed. Mm -hmm. And Paul basically coined that term. Yeah. But yeah, no, I feel like I've after like how many episodes have we done now? Like I don't know, a lot. 40, 40 ish, maybe? something like that. Oh, maybe. Wow. Yeah, might be. Um, but yeah, <laughs> definitely <laughs> became an expert and learning a lot every episode about. Uh, yeah, exactly. Well, Canada in general, really. <laughs> yeah, and if anybody listening wants to know more about exploitation, one of our episodes was an interview with Paul where he talks about how he came up with the name and mm. how he got his start in zines and then eventually created com. And so that's a good, like, pr primer of sort of how it became this term. Because, yeah, it, it's crazy to think that there's this term for this entire genre <laughs> of movies that some guy was just like, I'm going to call it this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, that's such an easy thing to do, though. Like, you take a very specific thing and yeah. you add exploitation to it, yeah. and, you know. But for exploitation, it, it really stuck, though. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. It's like a brand now. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Well, I'm I'm very excited to talk about these movies, and uh, as always, these movies are best viewed in 3B. Beauty this idea. movie was shot in 3B. Three beers, and it looks good, eh? Um, and so we decided we're gonna tackle two movies today, and mm. there isn't exactly a theme here. It's just kind of like lesser lesser discussed films, mm -hmm. I guess. Maybe would be. The, <laughs> The, the the theme but uh let's let's dive right into our first film of the episode from 1987 the pink chiquitas holy mackerel marianne did you see that what what i'm not sure but i think it was a meteor Gee willikers, will you look at that? Shut up and listen to it. Starring Frank Stallone, Eartha Kitt, Elizabeth Edwards, Don Lake, and more. Directed by Anthony Curie, a.k.a. Tony Curie. These Chiquitas are going to drive you bananas. And the synopsis is, <laughs> a pink meteor controlled by aliens lands near a small town and turns the local women into nymphos. A deputy sheriff and a local private eye investigate. It was produced by Mount Pleasant and SC Entertainment, distributed by Cinesphere theatrically in Canada, and then Norstar Home Video on Home Video, and it was shot in Claremont, Ontario, Canada. So this movie, for me, has been one of those, I've seen the name around a lot. Yeah. Uh, you know, I read the review on CanuxPlotation.com the years, like, however long ago it was, and it was always just kind of like a name that I knew was a Canadian thing, but wasn't something that I ever had looked into about actually watching it. And then Carla, you were like, oh, let's just do it for the episode. And I was like, okay. <laughs> Mistake. <Yeah. laughs> At one point, you know, you start running out of titles and yeah. uh, like looking for teams becomes harder and harder. So mm -hmm. you're just like, I don't know, this looks interesting. Everyone yeah. says it's bad, but whatever, you know. You never know. Uh, yeah, so you exactly. just do a grab bag episode. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So um. no, we're talking about <laughs> Pink Chiquitas and, and, and Frank Stallone. Yeah, it, so. so this is a comedy, quote, quote unquote <laughs> comedy. <laughs> yeah, I like a kind of comedy where it's like, okay, what is funny? I don't know, mm -hmm. just make your eyes really, really big and yell a mm. lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a let's yell a lot comedy. And mm. in the Canucksploitation review, they kind of say, you know, Canada has produced some sci-fi 50s spoof movies. There's another mm -hmm. one called Big Meat Eater. Mindbenders. Mindbenders, yeah, yeah. yeah Invasion yeah. of the Mindbenders. And I would also kind of lump this in with something like Revenge of the Radioactive Reporter, where it's... Oh, yeah 
not exactly a spoof. It's just kind of here's a type of movie, a silly movie that we're going to kind of play off of. And then the rest of the movie will just be filled up with some kind of goofy gags. Mm. And usually I go for that kind of thing. Yeah, your your <laughs> your standard isn't very high when it comes to that stuff. It really isn't. <laughs> so, you know, that's that's sort of charming of you. <laughs> I like when, um, you know, you're like a big fan of oddballs and that, that, that isn't really necessarily aiming higher than this. But No. <laughs> <laughs> that's our, our oddballs sound drop. <laughs> it's very nice. Like oddballs, you know, I, I like a movie that is so unfunny they have to put their own laugh in it. <laughs> like, so that you know when a joke happened. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but Even this I movie, have limits. This, this, this is, I mean, apparently, I read that Frank Stallone didn't know this was intended to be a comedy. And I see people being like a bit, I don't know, dismissive about that. But I'm like, I, I kind of can't blame him. <laughs> I mean, if this was intended to be a comedy, well... I mean, I understand where he's coming from. I mean, if it was supposed yeah. to be a comedy, they really failed on that part. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um, but I, when, I can't imagine that being true. I don't know. I read that somewhere. Like, there's very little information about this movie out there. I know. So I, someone wrote that. I'm like, yeah, sure. I, I can see that Frank Sloan maybe isn't necessarily the brightest bulb there is. Maybe, but he's doing gags and jokes and stuff. He's like pulling yeah. faces sometimes and I things know. like <laughs> maybe it was like a Danny Lloyd situation with The Shining where he didn't know he was filming a horror. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's just goofing off and so they're like, around, don't tell Frank anything. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen Frank Stallone in a lot of movies. Like the only one that comes to mind right away is this movie called Death Feud, which um stars Frank Stallone and Christopher Mitchum. So, you know, oh, on the nice. poster it says Stallone Mitchum, mm. but you're not getting Robert team and up for the Sylvester, <laughs> um, which is a weird and kind of sleazy movie. But Frank Stallone, his acting in that movie is very deer in headlights. Like he does not know what's going on. Like it doesn't really seem like there's anyone upstairs uh, in his acting, at least. So fair. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to go ahead and come out and say that I didn't even know that Frank Stallone was a person who existed before oh, this. Geez, really? <laughs> I, yeah, I had no idea. I was like, Frank Stallone, mm -hmm. like the other one. Yep. It's like, oh, yeah, but it's like a it's downgrade. The <laughs> it's the generic serial mascot of Sylvester Stallone. Mm. Albums and stuff. Yeah, the, like the movie starts as well and it says original songs by Frank Stallone. Yeah. And, and for a split second, I got excited. But then I realized the only Frank Stallone song I really know is uh, the theme song from Staying Alive, mm. the John Travolta movie. Oh, yeah, that's that's Frank Stallone. Interesting. As far as the music in this movie, I don't even remember anything, like much there, like the rest of yeah. the movie. Yeah, there was like one music number where it's a girl singing and then Frank Stallone jumps off from like yeah. a balcony and then he comes down and he does the splits and it does yeah. a really weird hard cut because mm -hmm. yeah. maybe he broke his knee and had to... <laughs> 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 he yeah, didn't I know he was filming. <laughs> I sort of, I sort of enjoyed that part. That was kind of goofy. Um, but it, it was also like the last note I made about this movie, and I feel like that happens pretty early on. But after that, my brain just checked out. Yeah, I got bored. I like that you even made notes. Uh, a couple, like very, <laughs> very few. Like most of uh, uh, most of my notes are about. Nothing, uh, shit that has nothing to do with Pink okay. Chiquitas. So. <laughs> well, so for, for the listener, you know, we're Hoser Horror, and this has happened before on the show where a, mm. a thing that we have picked is maybe not super on the horror spectrum, but this is exactly, a yeah. science fiction 50s kind of thing, and I think that's horror adjacent enough for us to cover it, but it is very much a comedy, very much mm. um, kind of a freewheeling joke kind of movie and yeah it's about this meteor that lands near a drive-in meanwhile all of these kooky characters are at the drive-in and a bunch of them end up going to find the meteor including a meteorologist and a bunch of other characters and uh, you find out that the meteor is turning the women of the local town into like like nymphomaniacs and they start to like get this tank and drive around and 
And I felt like when I was reading the synopsis for this movie, combined with the fact that I knew that it was a PG-13 movie, that I was thinking this has potential for maybe some goofy fun. Like like if the women that get turned into this are a kind of like fun cast of characters to follow mm. around or maybe they start like like attacking the men and maybe there'll be some fun there. And mm. so I wasn't necessarily like excited about this movie, but I was like, oh, maybe there's maybe it'll be funny. Maybe it'll be yeah. entertaining. And how, how, how long <laughs> did you hold out hope for it to become that? Uh well, in the opening, there's this like car chase scene yeah. that's really wacky. And, yeah. and I immediately was like, why is this even happening? Who are the people that are chasing <laughs> exactly. him? I don't understand what's going on here. Why is he a detective? Yeah. And so I was like, you Sorry. know, was yeah. thrown off a little bit right away. And then there's this gag where like the a woman jumps into his car and then he says something that she mistakes for him saying head or something. And oh, so he says, she, get, get down because he's being down. shot at from behind. So oh, he, says, yeah. get, he says, go down. And she oh, goes, yeah. okay. Go and down. then starts okay. sucking him off. And, and, I was, and that joke was terrible. But then they like kind of stretched that joke really far. And mm -hmm. I was like, okay, they really don't have any material here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I want... Uh, on one side, you're like, maybe if this had been properly edited to emphasize comedy, like timing wise, mm -hmm. it might have been a little better. But I don't think there is a lot of saving this movie. Like, it's not just a sloppy editing job. Like, no, what happens with some comedies? Yeah. It's, it's too lacking. Like, this is no. a perfect example to me of a movie that has a lot of scenes that do not serve any purpose. And, <laughs> mm -hmm. and because it's such an unfunny movie, it doesn't even des deliver like those base pleasures like it's zany but it's never fun somehow oh, yeah. I'm is... def I definitely am feeling that I mean I mm. I immediately was like oh shit as soon as <laughs> as soon as they get to the drive-in and then there's the deputy sheriff and it's that guy who was in one scene in best in show I'm yeah. like oh it's the guy from best in show but he's pretending he's Don Knotts throughout mm -hmm. the whole fucking movie yeah Don Lake <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, Don Lake. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> His performance is in this movie is absolutely terrible. Hmm. Like that. I know. Like that introduction scene to him where he's like telling them to come into the drive-in. I was like, you are lost at sea in this. <laughs> and I felt bad because he's been in things. He's been in like Hot Shots and yeah, I've seen um, him and stuff. Like I he was on SCTV a bit. Like, yeah, not that I'm a fan, but <laughs> no, like he's been. Fun. I think he's also worked with William Fruett a little bit. He was oh. in Blue Monkey. Yeah, like he's kind of circled around the SCTV scene in the '80s oh, and '90s. Okay. And yeah, like. I just immediately thought I felt bad for him. Yeah, because it's like there's nothing here and you were trying your hardest and yeah, it's not working. Yeah, he's not the only SCTV guy in this, though. There's um, no. like that. That's the, the tangent that I have for this movie. Like uh, when I recognize him. So John Hemphill, who plays Bob in Shit's Creek, mm -hmm. uh, is in this movie. And when I saw him, I'm like, oh, Jesus, that's Bob from Schitt's Creek. Like, that face mm -hmm. is just, I don't know, I mean, mm -hmm. hard to miss. <laughs> and he has these yeah. weird eyebrows in this movie. Like, I couldn't yeah. tell if those were real or not. Uh, he definitely doesn't have those anymore uh, in Schitt's Creek any, <laughs> anyway. He looks like Hoggle from Labyrinth. <laughs> oh, my God, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Have, have you seen Shit's Creek, Mac? I've seen a few seasons of it, but mm. I kind of fell off of it. But I kind of recognized. I was like, this guy looks kind of familiar to me. Yeah, he's like a recurring character, but he's not like in every episode or anything. But yeah, we just finished all of that. So like he was like fresh in my mind. Yeah. Um, so I went and checked what else John Hampel is in on IMDb. And I wrote down he's in Goofballs. Oh, yeah. Have you seen Goofballs, Dan? No, but I know of it. It, it sounds really up your alley. So yeah, probably. The, the, the description on IMDb is another entry in the Canadian balls comedy era, this time <laughs> set in a golf resort. <laughs> yeah, oh, there you go. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> we have cornered the market up here on the balls movies. Yeah. Which which movies are there? There's, there's oddballs. We mentioned that before. Goofballs. Fireballs. Fireballs. Balls, meatballs. Meatballs. Yeah. What else? There's screwballs. <laughs> yeah, screwball screw hotel. Yeah. And so forth. <laughs> yeah, and those two those two actors were also in Maniac Mansion, the Joe Flaherty series. Yes, um, yes. I yeah. wanted to mention that as well. Yeah. I've never heard of this show. I didn't no. even know this existed. Have you seen it? 
Yeah, I used to see it on TV. They would show reruns and stuff in the 90s. Yeah. You know, I was at the prime age of, of seeing it on TV, but I've never actually gone back and watched the whole series. But you know what it's based on, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, the LucasArts the game, po- yeah. point and click adventure game, Maniac Mansion. Totally. Apparently loosely based on. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know there was a Maniac Mansion TV show mm-hmm. and created by Eugene Levy, of all people. Yeah. Oh, and wow. like a bunch of SCTV people in there, yeah, like Paul, Joe yeah. Flaherty, Martin Short, David Cronenberg. Well, those aren't necessarily SCTV yeah. people, but I mean, the people in this are like... I mean, I was kind of shocked. <laughs> yeah, Eugene Levy, like, wrote, I think, directed a, a couple of them. And, yeah, he was one of the creators. Yeah, there's yeah. a bunch of people that were on on that. So, so there's this idea of the SCTV actors and actresses mm-hmm. that they, they show up in these movies sometimes where it almost feels like a favor, you yeah, know? Yeah, Definitely yeah. get that vibe here. Yeah, because um, Tony Curie didn't direct a lot, did some short films before this, and then ultimately ended up being a dialogue and sound editor for a ton of movies. Yeah. Um, some really, really big movies and some smaller movies. But I get the I get the sense that like maybe Anthony Tony Curie was hovering around the world of SCTV mm-hmm. in the yeah, edges yeah, yeah. maybe somewhere or like like knew people who knew people and it was like I'm making this comedy and pulled in some favors for some of the like, you know, lesser lesser known character actors from yeah, that makes from sense. the yeah and and it feels like that because that like again with that sheriff character it, it it's not well defined comedically it's just i'm a <laughs> weird wacky guy and yeah. you get the sense of him trying to elevate the the material <laughs> Trying his hardest, but failing miserably. Because, I mean, this movie really wants to be, like, a raunchy sort of boner Mm. jam movie. But, like, for Christians, since Mm. it's PG-13, like, there's no sex in this. There are no boobs in this. Like, no bare Mm. boobs. Yeah, exactly. I've been cheated. I get told that all these women turn into nymphomaniacs, and I'm thinking that I'm walking into, like, a David Dakota movie, like Nightmare Sisters. And then then I get this. I wish. Like, come on. And it's just like the the closest I came to having fun in this movie is there's a scene where Frank Stallone is on a dock and something happens and he ends up getting like pulled behind a boat on these like pieces of wood that magically turn into to to skis <laughs> and then there's this like big monster fish for some reason and it, it ends with like him shooting the fish and there's this huge geyser of blood and and that was almost fun like it was kind of like what is this this is kind of interesting mm. just barely made the mark yeah. i had one laugh in this Oh yeah, it was, was just it? it was just when Frank Stallone offers a Pez to a woman, and when he opens oh, yeah. the Pez dispenser, it goes. Bruh. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's the one thing that made me laugh. That was kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wasn't it? What was it? A Donald Duck Pez? I believe or something. so. Yeah. yeah, and it went like. <laughs> <laughs> Could have used more of that energy. Classic comedy. Oh yeah. Did you guys notice that uh, they had music like the same exact music from a Christmas story? In it, at one point, they like they played the same exact one of like the Bumpus Hounds. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't notice that. No. Yeah, because that's uh, is that Paul? Isn't that uh, Paul Zaza? Paul is Zaza. There, there was. Wait, sorry. Where's my notes? There was somebody else that worked on this movie. Uh, For the music, uh, Carl Zittrer. He was okay. the associate producer, and he worked in. Eventually went on to work in music uh, department and composer on movies like he did a lot of work with Bob Clark oh, on Bob Clark. Um, yeah, there you Porky's go. and That's A Christmas Story. So I'm going to assume that it was like Carl Zittra was like, hey, I, you know, I, I got some things here or <laughs> and yeah. like we can use it because Paul Zaza also did the music for this movie. And that again, to go with that kind of feeling of like this being cobbled together, mm-hmm. I'm going to assume that like Paul Zaza and Carl Zittra were just like, let's use these things <laughs> that we have laying around maybe for this movie i feel like they did that with eartha kit too to be honest yeah the fact that it says that she was got like a starring role in it i was like oh great like the meteor is gonna be like talking and be like go forth my pretties or whatever Mm -hmm. but she just goes like occasionally like what the hell (laughs) yeah yeah because there's a credit at the beginning that's that's like the you know it's a big screen credit like Mm -hmm. eartha kit as the name the named meteorite and yeah i i was hoping it would be something like that too like there there's 
hints of it, you know, in the mm-hmm. in the finale, they get to some stuff where there's some lightning effects and they go into the cave and stuff. And you're like, uh, th- this whole movie to me feels like a sketch of a movie that makes you think like it could be funny, but inside the movie is just empty. There's n- like, there's nothing. It's mm-hmm. like th- they only put an- enough effort to make it like the bare minimum of a script. And, and I actually, after watching this movie, like four days later, I was thinking back, like, you know what? I actually really didn't like that even less than I thought. Cause mm-hmm. I had originally given it two stars on letterbox. And I was like, no, no, I'm knocking this <laughs> down a half star. <laughs> yeah. Same. I, I mean, I've already forgotten most of the most of this movie anyway. Um, yeah. I, I feel like the moment this movie lost me, like pretty early on, there's a very long scene when they're in the woods and it's all like barely lit. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, just walking around the forest. And I love to not see what's going on in the movie. Like that gets me very <laughs> invested. You know? Yeah. So at that point, I was like, fuck this shit. Like, how am I supposed to stay interested when I'm just looking at darkness? Yeah. In the woods. Totally. You know? Yeah. Um, a lot of like decisions that that were made, and, like <laughs> not not the greatest judgment. I don't know. Like the director didn't do a whole lot after nope. or like other nothing, than this. Even nothing directorial. No. Nothing. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, it's not all his fault, obviously. Yes, it is. <laughs> okay. Sure. <laughs> Writer director. Yeah, it's his fault. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's a big chunk of it. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but went on to do sound on lots of things mm-hmm. and lots of classics, actually. Uh, Highway sixty one and Back in Action and nice. Yeah, mm-hmm. so thank you for the audible sound in better <laughs> movies. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's so, a rating. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> that sound effect. <laughs> do you think this movie was five dollars worth? Oh. All in all, it was a good five dollars worth for me and my whole family. No, <laughs> no, no. I mean, I, th- yeah. I think we can all agree on this. So no, it's you know. fifty cents worth, maybe. <sighs> if that. I mean, I rented it from my video store. How much was that? It was oh, $3.99. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> and they had it? Oh, yeah. The um, video store that I use is um, it's Scarecrow Video. It's the largest oh, remaining independent video store. Yeah, they're so cool. Mm-hmm. I go That's there every awesome. week. Well, I can't go in anymore, but they have like mm. a little drive through Oh. That's awesome. Cool. <laughs> they were like, we got an order for pink chiquitas. What the hell? Uh. <laughs> They've seen some of the other shit that I've gotten. <laughs> <laughs> they call like, are you sure? <laughs> it's like, this girl wants an Ingmar Bergman movie and also Once Upon a Girl. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So pink chiquitas. <laughs> skip it. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So let's get to something that we have a little bit more to talk about, I think. So mm. 1991-2009's Wicked World. So Brad, are you fucking my sister or what? What's it to you, you mental case? All you guys have called me a mental case once too often. Say your prayers. <laughs> The killer who brutally murdered your ex-girlfriend is getting out today? I've been thinking about it all morning. I'm gonna kill that bastard. Uh, Barry J. Gillis, starring Eddie Platt, Barry J. Gillis, and more. Can you handle the violence? Can you stomach the horror? Will you be able to stop the nightmares? Synopsis, Grant is a dirty cop with a checkered past that endlessly haunts him. Endlessly. The love of his life was murdered by a serial killer named Harold, who slaughtered a countless number of humans in Toronto, Canada, before he was finally locked up and sent to a mental institution. Now, many years later, Harold, Harold, is set to be released back into society and Eklund hopes for a final showdown with his arch enemy. 
And this was distributed by American Genre Film Archive, the AGFA, in 2019. They put it out on Blu-ray. They gave it a theatrical release. And this was shot entirely in Toronto and Collingwood, Ontario. And, uh, you know, so if you haven't seen things, we talked about things on the podcast, but it's a very notable Canadian what the fuck kind of movie (laughs) and Barry J. Gillis started shooting sort of a follow-up his next movie called Wicked World in 1990 and ended up making a rough edit of the movie but he was never truly happy with it Um, and ultimately it sat around for years and finally years and years later Agfa was able to help him finish it and put it out so there is a director's cut of this movie on the Blu-ray, which is what I watched. It has, you know, <laughs> some more modern touches to the editing, let's say, before we get into yeah. it. Yeah, but they, I, I believe they also have the rough cut as well mm. available, which I have not seen. But yeah, so um, this was a long time coming. For us, you mean, for the show? For the show, but also for, oh, for, for Barry. Barry. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, Jesus, like uh, almost 20 years. How do you how do you want to dive into Wicked World? God, how do you even start? Like, when did you first see Wicked World? Because you've seen it a couple of times, right, Meg? I've seen Wicked World uh, like six times. Damn. <laughs> yeah, I, the first time that I heard about it, it was uh, on a YouTube video for Red Letter Media. They did like a oh, spotlight yeah. episode mm. on it, and I yeah. was just fucking enchanted by it like there was just something about like there's like literally everything is wrong and because everything is wrong everything is so right exactly i I, you know you watch it several times and i only just now can tell you exactly the plot because i've like i've gone through and i've written everything down like the Mm -hmm. like the two characters and where their storylines converge and everything because barry was trying to do like a tarantino style thing where it's like oh it's non-linear but because the pacing is so bad and the plot is so fucking (laughs) loose you just are left not knowing what the fuck is going on at all and it's just it is a white trash wonderland (laughs) i love it so much and before um you know i I was gonna come on here i was thinking like oh well i have to rewatch it but you know I've seen it so many times. So mm. instead, I watched the theatrical length making of that comes oh, on the oh Blu-ray. Nice. Amazing. Yeah, so I have a little bit more insight now into Barry's personal life and Ooh, like how the awesome. movie was funded and everything. And it was very, it was very illuminating. Mm, tell <laughs> yeah. us, please. <laughs> so yeah, tell us. Well, if you watch throughout the, I mean, the credits for this movie are like 15 minutes long. Yeah. It's oh. absolutely fucking insane. But um, at the very, very end, there is a poem that Barry has written mm-hmm. and it's about working in a factory and not really liking mm-hmm. that you work in a factory. So Barry was a factory worker. And then with the, um, with the behind the scenes thing, you find out uh, because the guy who plays the serial killer in it, uh, Eddie Platt, he actually mm. did, he was a producer. So he did part of the making of as well. And okay. he asked Barry, like, are you going to pay your rent to your aunt? And, and, <laughs> and Barry was just saying, yeah, I haven't paid my rent in a long time, but she understands. <laughs> so I think that's how it was fun. It was that Barry, you know, just uses his factory workers like paycheck. Yeah. Plus, I'm not paying my rent to my aunt. <laughs> <laughs> Did she at least get like a credit, like a producer credit for oh, I don't, like, I don't getting think rent so. from him? I don't think so. But, you know, in the making of like he he keeps saying to other people like, oh, compared to the last movie that I made, this is mm. going to be, you know, like a real, real movie. So like he's talking yeah. about things and he even says that he's really unhappy with things. But this one, this is going to be the movie. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. but, you know, while they're setting up shops, shots and everything, there are people telling him like when he's making decision like Barry that's not going to work it it needs more light (laughs) and like whenever people are saying like this dialogue doesn't make sense or anything (laughs) like that he just goes well I'm no I've made a movie before I know what I'm doing or whatever you okay you know (laughs) and (laughs) it's just throughout it he keeps mentioning like oh so-and-so got government funding for their movie maybe if we work hard i can get some government funding and he was intending on taking wicked world to the con film festival oh my god oh man yeah and he was like yeah i'm thinking about taking it to cans or cons (laughs) i don't know whatever it's called and then he was like i'm sending i'm also sending a script to tom savini right now 
Wow. So it's like, I love that confidence. He, he does have confidence. a lot of confidence. Like he's, he, he definitely lacks innovation when it comes to like self-promotion. Yeah. He's, he's very proud of the work he's doing. Like, oh, absolutely. Because mm. when he met Eddie Platt, who plays, um, what was it? Harold. Mm, Harold. <laughs> he is, um, you know, he's an executive producer on it because he was friends with Barry. And how he met Barry was that they were waiting for their friend to open up his video store. And his friend who owned the video oh. store uh, is the bearded guy from Things, weirdly okay. enough. But, you know, they were standing outside waiting. And he's like, hey, have you ever heard of Things? And Eddie was like, oh, God, I heard that movie is awful. And he's like, well, you know what? <laughs> I made that movie. And like just completely undeterred by that. That's amazing. I, I will also say Barry J. Gillis is right that he should have had funding from the oh, government. Yeah. Uh, the the government funding stuff here in Canada for the the arts and for film can be so annoying, especially in like music and film, mm. because you see these people that do not need funding getting the grants again and again. Mm. Like like they just gave a music grant to like who is it like grimes or something yeah. and it's like they don't like grimes doesn't no. need the funding anymore the fun the people who need the funding are like the the band that can't afford to do anything or like the the filmmaker who all they have is you know the things that they've scrounged together mm. i i wish that barry j gillis had been given some government funding and you know yeah. like i want to see that movie oh, yeah. absolutely. that'd be interesting but also I don't know. I just really like that every choice that, like, just like in things with Wicked World, like, every every choice that Barry G. Gillis makes goes against what they would teach you at film school. Mm -hmm. But, but yeah. he doesn't do it in a way where he thinks he's smarter than what's being taught in <laughs> no. film school. He's just being himself, it feels like. Uh, yeah. He's a real outsider it's, artist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's interesting that Barry was talking about this movie as being like, this is going to be the one. Mm -hmm. And I, cause I also saw a lot of people talking in reviews about how like this movie is a little bit more, um, like more of a movie mm. or like it, it, the ambition of this movie is a little bit more like a movie. And in my opinion that I disagree, I, <laughs> I think things is a little bit more of like, okay, we have these characters, they kind of are hanging around a house and there's some things mm. around sometimes. Mm -hmm. And we figured out how to make it into a movie. But this movie to me feels way more like here's this guy who has this singular vision for this really fucked up, messy just all over the place thing but in his mind it's this perfectly you know in like imagined yeah. thing and he just needs to get it into the world <laughs> and it'll be it'll be right <sighs> and at every step it's not right and <laughs> it, to some degree i think i prefer things mm. but i the the experience of wicked world feels so much more cobbled together than things to some I degree. I definitely like, understand that. Like so much of it is like ADR and I, I absolutely loved there's a scene where you can tell the ADR for the person walking is somebody just going like, and I fucking love that so much because when I was a kid, I did that. Yeah. Like I tried to make movies with my friend and we tried to ADR every single sound in the whole movie. And and so I love that. And and I loved that this movie was just so unpredictable and you never know what's going to happen next. Mm -hmm. And and it's trying to say a it's, lot. It's, it's trying yeah. to be quite edgy, I would say. Like, Barry's definitely yeah. uh, being a bit of an edgelord with this one, I feel. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I mean, I think that it that Wicked World suffers from the opposite thing that Things suffers from, mm. in that in Wicked World, there's too many ideas, whereas with Things, yeah. it's like we are in, like, a small shack and some yeah. things happen. Yeah. yeah, it's like we've seen Evil Dead, so, you know. yeah. Yeah, I do like it when a movie is too much. Mm. So I I admire Wicked World for that, and 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 the ideas here are a lot. Uh -huh. yeah. Like you don't expect in this movie that you're gonna see a serial killer just being led around by a nurse and 
walked up onto a slide and then he'll slide down the slide and go, I hate slides. <laughs> and then there's like pudding being fed oh, to him yeah. and it's gross. And it just goes in all these places. Where I think you're that's like, a what fetish. The hell? <laughs> yeah. they had the, yeah. the marshmallows later. Oh yeah. Mm. Oh, that was so gross. I, I, I think I was actually eating at that point as well. So I was oh, not having a good time. <laughs> oh God. Well, I mean, and the whole moral of the entire story is the government should put chips in our brains yeah. so that we're not yeah. violent anymore. <laughs> like that just comes out of uh, fucking nowhere. Like at the end of Miami connection where it's like only with the elimination <laughs> of violence, can we achieve world peace Yeah. yeah. after a fucking yeah. bloodbath? Like, okay. <laughs> yeah. It's just the entire movie. I'm like, what, what is Barry trying to say here? Like what's actually going on in his mind? Um, He's had enough of this wicked world. <laughs> yeah, I love every time someone just said the title. I, oh, I love when yeah. people do that in movies, like, mm -hmm. regardless. I kept pointing at the screen like Leonardo DiCaprio. I was like, wicked world. <laughs> he said it. <laughs> he said but it. Also, like, lines like, the PC people close their eyes to the world. I was like, is this what Barry thinks? Is Barry part of the alt-right? Is, is he posting, like, Pepe memes on 4chan now? <laughs> oh, or? Ma yeah. maybe. <laughs> What's going on here? Yeah, I thought that was oh, funny. Oh, yeah, I love that. When he, when it was like, all I used to know in the world was love mm. until my parents got divorced and my mother killed herself after my father hanged himself. It's like, what the fuck? So apparently they were the only things keeping each other together. Like, there's just, it's it's all over the fucking place. Mm, for sure. Yeah, and it's it seems to be trying to be like anti-violence but also like this is the wicked world and this is what it's like and tries to like yeah with all the quotes and stuff in the credits where you know there's poems and quotes and little pieces of art in the mm -hmm. credits which i absolutely yeah. loved yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it's a lot it's a whole lot yeah and i mean in the behind the scenes he uh, barry's asked like what is like the whole just what is the gist of the movie? Yeah. And he, he says some stuff, but then he says, ultimately, it's about how people can learn from their mistakes. It's mm, like, what, yeah. by getting murdered? Because they're about to lose their load in the woods? <laughs> You're going to make me lose that my was load, so funny. Fernanda. <laughs> yeah. Oh I, I, I loved that, like, the overlapping use of the same dialogue, yeah. like, to, to stretch things out. I thought that was so oh, good. Yeah. Chain's getting tighter and tighter. Yeah. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, Chain's, Chain's getting tighter be and covered tighter. in blood. Some transcendent shit. There's some good lines in this, like, really choice stuff, like, in, in things as well. And But this, in, in, in this yeah. one, too. Melt your coconut. Like at one point, there's a line that's that goes like, "I know your daughter's committed suicide, but lighten up." Oh yeah, yeah. you need Holy to get shit. over it. Yeah. Look, yeah. Harold, I know your three daughters killed themselves last week, but you have to get over these things. Yeah, and the guy at the beginning, what do they call him? Right at the beginning, he's like, "You've called me that too many times. I'm gonna kill oh. you." Oh. Is that like before the opening titles and stuff with like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ag again another like Canadian Eddie Deason. Uh, totally. Yeah, 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 that bit. I remember. Yeah, where he's like watching his sister with a guy. Oh, was that and then sister? They I didn't like, even pick oh, up on that. So. Yeah. <laughs> Are like you going to fuck my sister or what? Oh, yeah. 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 After she gets totally Jesus. naked and then says, I think we should save it for marriage. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go and take then the a shower. Goes, Come on, it's the 90s. <laughs> and the, <laughs> yeah, and then has like a 30-minute shower. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a lot. Was there anything else in the behind the scenes of note? Oh, mm, they ate a lot of donuts. <laughs> like okay. they, ate a, they ate a shitload of donuts, and it seems like Timmy's. everyone was just flirting with everyone. Like, mm. and Barry was trying to play matchmaker when he was behind the camera. Like okay. there'd be a woman and a man <laughs> next to each other, be like, "Oh, so you think?" There's going to be wedding bells and stuff like that. And the one thing that I really <laughs> gathered that kind of gives insight on how Barry writes the script is mm. that Barry, like, doesn't know how to talk. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> this sounds really mean to say, but he'll say normal. I know what you mean, though. Yeah, he says normal phrases, yeah. but they come out all fucking weird. Like, and it, it happens in things, too, where he's like, mm. um, what's one of them where he's like, made you lose my train of thought or whatever yeah, like, yeah. or i didn't peg you for a kindergarten artist like uh, that's not yeah no one says that but that's how he talks i know i mean someone asked him like are you getting any dates from this movie barry and he was like you know that's a really messed up question to ask me when i'm trying to sit here eating a tortilla chip <laughs> and, and, oh God. and like a bunch of people in the background are going tortilla it's tortilla, Barry. <laughs> I, 
<laughs> I, I think it's amazing that this movie exists on Blu-ray. Um, yeah. But you can't help but think it's more a case of like, okay, like everyone has a PlayStation 4 rather mm -hmm. than we need to be able to enjoy this in 4K or whatever. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. even like the added subs, which you think would help with a movie where the sound is kind of fucked, like sound yeah. levels just continue to mm -hmm. vary completely. Yeah. Um, th even the subs don't always know what's being said. Like, it, it's true. not really necessary to be able to follow what's going on in this movie. Like, it's just one of those things where you feel, while I was watching it, if you blink, you will have lost the plot. But you don't even need to blink yeah. to feel that way. That's just the, <laughs> the feeling you get watching this movie. And, and maybe I need to watch it like six times before that sort of starts getting better. <laughs> You'll start to understand it a little bit more by mm. the time you've seen it six times. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that on Amazon, Barry J. Gillis reviewed the release no. uh -oh. <laughs> and said classic. like, the, the director's cut version, I urge you to see it first. It has new visual quality, better sound, more special mm. effects that weren't in the old version and all this. And and I do I do have this um, one reservation, which is and like, obviously, this movie wouldn't really exist in, in a in a finished mm. way if it wasn't for this mm -hmm. release. So I ultimately love it anyway. But this release and Phobe, they they did allow these directors to do like a new cut. And they have like in, in Phobe, they oh, have yeah. these new CGI scenes. Yeah. And in this, they have like blood that squirts over the screen <laughs> and like a little hand pops up at God, one point I love and that. stuff. And yeah. And I, I love it, but there's a part of me that's like, D don't like that Lucas wouldn't it. be, the, <laughs> yeah, like that wouldn't be the movie if it was made mm. in 91. And, and, and to some degree, it's like, you know, they're, if you want to say like, they're the auteurs of the movie, they can make their movie however they want. They want to put new effects yeah. in it, then absolutely. And if they're happy with it, then I'm happy. But there is a part of me that was like, oh, I feel like you're trying to fix this scene in a mm -hmm. way that like, I want to see what it would have been like without the fix. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I can excuse you it know? for this movie, though, because I really like that stuff in this one. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, yeah. It's quite jarring when you yeah, first see it. It's mm -hmm. like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Because the first time you see it is when the brother pulls out the gun and shoots the guy and it does yeah. like seven mm -hmm. quick cuts in less than a second it's like <laughs> yeah it would have been wouldn't have been so quickly cut you mm -hmm. know <laughs> so but there's a couple notes yeah. i have left uh that really speak volumes in in terms of like barry's like self-confidence i guess in himself um mm -hmm. like the shameless self-promotion thing uh he doesn't give a fuck like he he might have talked shit about things like when he was making Wicked World, like that was going to be his magnum opus or whatever. Mm -hmm. But then there's like a poster of things in this movie at a yeah. place called the Steakhouse. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, why, why, would, why would there be a poster of any movie at a place called mm. the Steakhouse in the first place? <laughs> a sun-bleached poster. You have to yeah. like squint yeah. to see it. Yeah, G Gillis also did a clip from things yes. in this, which he does yeah. in all of his movies, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, they always like the, feature a clip of the movie from before. Yeah, it's like the highlight reel. Yeah. And they're like, yeah. that movie looks interesting. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and there's <laughs> another thing that I found doing research, conexploitation.com. There's a guest column section. I don't know mm -hmm. if you've ever seen this, Dan, but like in 2011, Barry did a guest column. And oh, yeah, yeah. they asked him his five favorite conexploitation movies. So oh you guys God. are not aware. So no. I will, I'm not, I will no, tell I you what his top five are. So first off, he's got Hobo with a Shotgun, directed by Jason yeah. Eisner. Um, I still haven't seen that. Next up, Class of 1984, directed by Mark L. Lester. That's a great nice. movie. Uh, third, Things, directed by Barry J. Gillis. <laughs> Amazing. Typical. Uh, number four. Wicked World, directed by Barry J. Gillis. <laughs> oh, wonderful. And to round it out, uh, in number five, The Killing Games, directed by Barry J. Gillis. Oh, of course. Barry J. Gillis. <laughs> so that's, that's Barry's top five, con exploitation. Um, you know what? Uh, good on him for picking two other movies that weren't oh, by yeah. him. I guess at that point he had only three movies. Um, <laughs> he's, he's, he's doing a Corey Feldman, Bret Hart movie now. Oh uh, my god. Mm. Did you guys see the trailer for I that? I did. I did. Yes. It's like a cameo.com Corey <laughs> Feldman one where you can see like his phone screen yeah. like in his sunglasses. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I I is the Killing Games out? Where was that released? I think so. No, at the at the time when the guest column came out, it wasn't yet because he states 
that okay. hasn't come out yet, but maybe now I'm I'm not sure. I think it's out. Yeah. Okay. I'm okay. pretty sure it's out. I'm not sure. I mean, I did watch another featurette that's on the Blu-ray that's mm -hmm. Barry talking about his movies and okay. his editing and everything, and he shows a bunch of clips from that movie, and it looks really really hard to watch. Oh, like, damn. Hmm. Yeah, it's a lot of raping. Oh Jesus. Okay. A whole lot of raping. Yeah. <laughs> so Yikes. I might miss that, no matter what, even yeah. if it is Barry. <laughs> well, uh, is there anything else to say about Wicked World? Was it $5 worth for your family? All in all, it was a good $5 worth for me and my whole family. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you go first, Meg. Like, what's your... I, I mean, I, I know you what know, you're going to say, but... <laughs> well, you know, it's it's really weird, because, I mean, it's it's me personally, and just for some reason, I love this movie, probably mm -hmm. because everyone in this movie looks like people I grew up around when I was a kid. <laughs> and, like, so I just, I love this movie. Yes, mm. it is worth $5. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I got to say, yeah, it's worth more. It's worth, like, a $30 Blu-ray. I mean, yeah. it... This is something that you would have never been able to see in this version if you had never, if they had never put, you know, some money behind it. I, I love the, I love the story of like this guy that made things mm -hmm. and he had this follow up that was never fully, you know, finished. And I know Agfa did the same thing for Jungle Hunt or something. There was another Jungle VHS movie that they yeah. like they finished and put out on VHS. And so I love like that they're jungle helping trap or something. Yeah. They're, they're helping people out and getting these movies out mm -hmm. there. And, and the fact that there's that much behind the scenes stuff on it, you know, I got to watch mm -hmm. that now. Same. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, this is way, way more than $5 for me and my whole family. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Same for me. I mean, if I compare to things, I might like things better, but I don't know. Like they're pretty equal. Like they're just very different movies. Uh, even though oh, they're yeah. both yeah. very much Barry J. Gillis movies. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah. But I think I just like the hangout. Yeah, things is more hangout. It has monsters and superficially fun shit like that. Like this is more like one of those like in the mind of a serial killer kind of dealies, which usually <laughs> fall flat for me. I gotta say, but because <laughs> it's Barry J. Gillis, it didn't in this case. Yeah. I mean, like. I enjoyed being a fly, a fly on the wall and on the insides of Barry's brain once again. Oh, yeah. But by the end, I also just wanted Gina Davis to blow my brains out with a shotgun and have my violence chip <laughs> installed already. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, def definitely more than $5 worth. It is, this is uh, recommended. That's our episode on the Pink Chiquitas 1987 and Wicked World 91 2009. And how about everybody goes around and, and plugs where they can be found? I am mainly on Instagram at Ghouls Only Press, that's G-H-O-U-L-S-O-N-L-Y-P-R-E-S-S, -S, because people never hear me the first time I say it, so <laughs> I spelled it. Um, and if you want to, like, buy anything from my shop, I'm on Etsy under Ghouls Only, or you can just search for house stuff. You'll find me. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Awesome. Carla? Uh, yeah, I'm in the usual places, Letterboxd, Twitter... Wait, on, twi on Twitter, I'm at ZolarFox, and then on Letterboxd, I'm Carlo Goes Boom, and I'm on Instagram as well, I guess. Yeah, that's about it. <laughs> Amazing, and I am YCKMD underscore on Twitter, Letterboxd, Instagram, and uh, don't forget to go to backdashroad.com and find more of our podcasts and writing there. You can also go to the Patreon account and get episodes like this a week in advance, plus bonus episodes every month, bonus essays and more, and a year-end swag bag. So check the Patreon account out at backdashroad.com. And uh, yeah, otherwise, it's time to take off, and we'll see you next time on Notes from the Back Row. Take off, eh? See you, eh? <laughs>